You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Well, thank you, Pastor Steve. Uh, thank you for your very warm welcome. And uh, even though I've done this a few times, I've just got to confess to you all, I feel a bit like Paul to the Corinthians. Uh-huh. <laughs> when he came to them with fear and trembling. But I've been assured by Pastor Steve that uh, you're a pretty good group, eh? Yeah. You're a pretty good group? So can I just uh, first of all say good morning? Right, That's, uh, that often happens, um, so I always give a second chance. Good morning, everyone. Oh, that's, that's very, very good. <laughs> Thank you for the opportunity this morning to be here and, um, and especially to bring this message that God has laid on my heart. Um, I pray that it will be a real blessing. I bring some good news this morning. But before we do, I just want to say that Lynn and I uh, moved to the Gold Coast a few years ago and uh, just find it so important uh, to find a local church home. And uh, so we knew no churches here. Uh, we did a bit of uh, church hopping and church shopping. And, um, and we landed here at Burley Church of Christ. And, uh, and we like your church. We like Pastor Steve. We like Pastor Steve. What do you think of Pastor Steve? So I always say, like, when you ask me, like, what do you think? I, I always like a response of, he's all right. So can we do that? Like, what do you think of Pastor Steve? He's all right. So we've landed here at Burley Church of Christ. And I, we do sincerely appreciate you all, your support, your love, your encouragement. We appreciate Pastor Steve especially. We, we do love his preaching and his teaching. We love his leadership style too. He's quite unique, isn't he? And we love his vision. We love his vision for the church and for the community. And it's been a real privilege to catch up with him from time to time, uh, from one pastor to another pastor. We've had some really good, encouraging times together. Over good coffee, of course. That's where it all happens. So today, um, our scripture is uh, found there in Luke chapter 8, and verse 22 and so it begins with this so there was a great i'm going to ask somebody um, steve can you read that from there can you you've got a mic yeah can you do that one day jesus said to his disciples let us go over to the other side of the lake so they got up into the boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. So we're going to continue our preaching through the Gospel of Luke. And of course, the overall theme as we've been uh, preaching through is simply, is Jesus enough? I've really wrestled over the last few weeks as to 
giving this particular passage in the Gospel of Luke a title. Uh, you may even you may have one, and I would I would uh, I would love you to share with me even as we share this message this morning. If you've got a title that comes to your mind, um, please just put up your hand and say, "I've got a title." I'd love to hear from you. I've been wrestling with things like, do I put sailing with Jesus? That'd be a good title, wouldn't it? Another good one would be, no, not so good. We're going down. We could have said, but Lord, you promised. And then we could talk about fear or faith. There's so many different things. But just early, uh, early last week, this is the one that really landed on my heart for us all this morning. We're going to make it. Because a boat with Jesus in it is unsinkable. Amen? We're going to make it. Because a boat with Jesus in it is, in fact, unsinkable. So I want to bring some good news this morning. Up for good news. I want to pray that this will be a message, it will bring a message of, it will bring some hope, it will bring some strength, and it will bring some encouragement. A boat with Jesus in it is unsinkable. Not like this particular boat that was built in the early 1900s. They called it the Titanic, and another name for the Titanic was the unsinkable ship but on its maiden voyage from Southampton to New York City on the 15th of April 1912 at 20 minutes past two the unsinkable ship struck a submerged iceberg it went to its watery grave taking precious cargo with it. Over 1,500 passengers lost their lives on the unsinkable ship. But today, another boat. Look at this boat. Not much like the Titanic though, is it? About 27 feet long, about 7 feet wide and about 4 feet high. It took four fishermen to row this boat and it would have just had one single solitary sail. So let's go on a journey today with Jesus. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 22, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. Just want you to know that this, this particular Sea of Galilee experience is mentioned in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and that's it. Three of the Gospel writers record this particular experience. John dipped out, uh, but he said a few other things that were pretty important as well. Even if this experience was mentioned once in the Gospels, that would be enough, wouldn't it? But it's mentioned three times. This is a pretty significant message that God has for us this morning. So Luke 8 says that it was a certain day. You might just go back to the text. Thanks, man. Uh, Luke says that it was a certain day. But Mark said that when evening had come. So it was a certain day, but it was evening. It was getting dark. 
Not a real good time to go for cruising, is it? Let us, there's two important words here. Let us. One word, us. Let us go over. So Jesus is not going across to the other side of the lake by himself. And nor does he push the disciples out into the boat by themselves. Jesus didn't go alone and the disciples did not go alone. But they all went together. That's pretty important on this particular journey. Let us go together to the other side. And the other part of that verse, of course, those two words, very significant for, the, for this morning. We're going to go across to the other side. I have a plan. I have a journey. And we have a destination. We're going to go somewhere. We are going to go across to the other side. In a few minutes, um, you may actually doubt that. But you've got to trust me. I promise we're going to make it to the other side. And so the journey begins. And it's across this particular body of water. It is Lake Gennesaret. Gennesaret in the Greek word, it simply means a harp. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful harp-shaped sheet of water. It's about 13 miles long, seven miles across, and it takes about two hours to get from one side across to the other side. But now the drama begins. Chapter 8 and verse 23. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The Galilean meteorologists through the, um, their, the Bureau of Meteorology with their radar imaging, um, they tell us that it was actually, um, we just go back, yeah, thanks, mate, just back to the map. So it was actually the, the warm air currents that were coming off the land that rushed down the gorges and down through the gullies and out onto the Sea of Galilee that caused these particular windstorms. Are these squalls. But the Greek word that he uses here is actually seismos. There was a great squall. Um, there was a great seismos. And it's the Greek word for all you Greek scholars. It's the Greek word for earthquake. And so comes our English equivalent of a seismograph. And a seismograph, of course, is that instrument that measures the scope of an earthquake. This was a seismos earthquake storm that was hitting. But what a contrast. What is happening in that little boat? Here is a man asleep. Sleeping? in a seismos earthquake. He is peacefully sleeping in the back of the boat. But in the middle of the boat, here are the disciples that are filled with terror. They are fearful for their lives 
in a seismos, life-threatening storm. Jesus is asleep. He is God. Yes, amen. He is God. He is man. Amen. He is true God and true man. Very God, very man. But he's very human, isn't he? Very, very human. He's asleep. He's having a nap when there's an earthquake storm happening out on the Sea of Galilee. But he has had a couple of big days, hasn't he? He's been healing people. He's been driving out demons. He's been forgiving people. There's been lots of opposition coming into his life and ministry. He's even been raising dead people. So he's pretty tired. He's very tired. He is fast asleep. But what are they going to do? Luke 8 and chapter 24 says, The disciples went to the back of the boat and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are going to drown. Now Luke records Master, Master. In the Gospel of Luke, the disciples call him Teacher. And in the Gospel of Matthew, the disciples call him Lord. What a beautiful summary of Jesus. Whichever way you look at it, Master, Teacher, Lord. And they cry out to Jesus. First of all, they wake him up. Fancy. They woke him up. Wake up, Lord. You promised that we would get across to the other side. Lord, Master, Teacher, we're not going to make it. We're not going across. We're going down. The waves are now bigger than the boat. But they run to the back of the boat and the answer was in the back of the boat. The living word spoke a word of authority and power. All he said was, be still, be quiet. There was no delay, no waiting. There was an immediate response and there was calm across the Sea of Galilee. Peace, peace, be still. Run to the back of the boat. The answer could be in the back of the boat. Many today are running, aren't they? We're all running somewhere. We're running in all directions. We're searching and seeking for answers. We're running to astrology and the stars. We're running to the occult and witchcraft and Satanism. We're running to the Eastern religions all over the world. We're running to the cults. We're even... We're even making cups of tea and analysing the tea leaves that are found in the bottom of the cup to find out which way we should go. I'll just take this moment. <laughs> that was all planned. <laughs> the answer could be in the back of the boat. And I believe the answer for you and the answer for me and the answer for our world 
He's in the back of the boat. Amen? Do you remember 1985? Could anybody remember 1985? Do you know what, uh, sign- what something significant happened in Queensland in 1985? Sorry. Okay. Well, in 1985, uh, that was the year actually our little family moved moved to Brisbane. And um, (laughs) and even if you Google that, you probably won't find that there. Yeah, 1985. A special. It was a pretty special year for our family. It was a pretty bad. A pretty bad year for Brisbane, uh, because that was that was the year that Brisbane experienced its worst storms that they'd ever had in 70 years. Fierce gales had ripped through their homes, roofs were listed, lifted, and and 12 months later, glaciers were still fitting glass. Pretty horrific storms. I've never seen so much destruction as I ro- drove through the main streets of Brisbane. Uh, smashed windows and glass all over the streets. Now, as a teenager, just a few years ago, well, I went through a storm too. Um, I went through my own personal storm. It was a storm that, that nearly destroyed me. But it was a storm that was eventually going to change my life. So from burnout and breakdown and broken health and looking death in the face, I was bedridden and housebound for six months and more. A walk from my bedroom to the front gate was exhausting. And that was like walking from here to our side gate. And I'd be back in bed again. But my extremity was God's opportunity. Let's just pause for a moment to say about our youth leader. He he doesn't know this. Isn't it good to have a youth leader? That was good. It's great to have a youth leader, isn't it? Quite sincerely. And don't underestimate what our youth leaders do. My youth leader, back in those days, drove to my place. I was unable to drive. He drove to my place. He picked me up and drove me into the city And there was a smorgasbord. A smorgasbord in every way. It was a food smorgasbord. And it was a smorgasbord of of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which I had heard hundreds of thousands of times before. But this time, this night was going to be different. Because on that night, after a smorgasbord of food, was a smorgasbord of the gospel that I'd never heard really, but in its purest form. And that night it was like God was 
speaking to me. It was so real, he was talking. And as he spoke to me, the challenge was there. The opportunity came for me to do something with my broken life. An opportunity, an invitation. And you know what happens when God is speaking to us? There is a struggle, there's resistance, but I finally gave in. I walked to the front from there to here. There's nothing magic in that, but it was just a physical sign of saying, I'm doing something with you, God. I walked to the front, something did happen. My life was completely changed. I invited him to come into my boat. I want to ask you this morning, is Jesus in your boat? He came into my boat and I walked out of that meeting a new young man, clean, restored, renewed, forgiven, with a desire to follow him and serve him and, and, and do whatever you want me. And I said to him later out of just love and gratitude and appreciation for a, to be born again. And I said to him, out of all that, I said, Lord, thank you. I will do anything that you want me to do. Oh, that's a dangerous thing to say. <laughs> I said, I will do anything for you, Lord. You've changed my life. I'll do anything for you, Lord, but... Oh, put that but word in. For some reason, I just said, Lord, I'll do anything for you. I'll go anywhere, but please, I don't want to be a preacher and I don't want to be a pastor and I don't <laughs> want to be a minister. <sighs> 46 years later, I'm still doing it. The answer for you, the answer for me, was in the back of the boat. And he changed my life. I really believe that. Do you believe, we all believe, that the answer is in the back of the boat. And the answer for, for you and me and our whole world that is being driven by winds and waves. Yes, there will be storms. Yes, there will be storms. And even as believers, there will be storms. Uh, God could make us immune from storms. God could take away storms. But it was like on the Sea of Galilee out there, there was no detour sign. You know, often in our roadworks, we'll come to construction and there'll be a detour. We'll go around the issue. There's no detour out on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus said, we're not going around the storm. He said, we're going through the storm. But he did promise that he would be with us, that we wouldn't be alone in the storm, but he would be with us in the storm. And storms, what are they all about? I want to share some, some good news. Storms are not a punishment. Maybe you're going through some kind of storm right now, Storms are not a punishment. God is not punishing us through a storm. But in fact, he is schooling us. It's not a punishment, it's a school. And the word disciple, of course, actually means in Greek, learner. 
A disciple is a learner. A disciple is a pupil, a student who needs to be educated. There are not many lessons that can be learned on calm seas, are there? Calm seas are beautiful, aren't they? Calm seas are for pleasure. Calm seas are for enjoyment. Nice to be out there. But we don't learn too much on calm seas. But we learn a lot in the high seas. And these disciples, these learners with their L plates on, were being educated. And now God has their attention. In my personal storm, God got my attention. In our storms, God gets our attention. And now these disciples, in these rough seismos storms, they're learning a lot. They're learning a lot about themselves. They're learning a lot about their insecurity. They're learning a, a lot about their little faith. Um, Luke doesn't say little faith, he says no faith. But another gospel writer says about their, why have you just got little faith? So it wasn't that they didn't have any faith, but their faith was little, that need to be de developed. And high seas, rough winds will develop us into what God has for us. They learn about, they learn a lot about themselves. They learn a lot about fear. F-E-A-R. That's another story, isn't it? Fear, but F-E-A-R. Face everything and rise. But a lot of our fear um, is not grounded fear. F-E-A-R. False, false evidence appearing real. They learn a lot about fear, but they're learning a lot about God here too. They're learning a lot about Jesus. Who is this man? <laughs> Who is this man? He talks to the wind and it dies down. He talks to the waves and they're still. Who is this man? He forgives sin and, for and sets prisoners free. Who is this man? He heals sickness and disease and drives out demons. Who is this man? He takes water and turns it into wine. He feeds thousands of people with a couple of cheeseburgers. Who is this man? Who is this man? He can actually raise people from the dead. But can he come your storm? Can he come our storm? And by our, I mean Lynn and I. Can he calm this storm that we're about to go through? Well, do you know what happened in... Well, you don't know what happened in 1985, so you'll have no idea what happened in 1975, do you? Okay, there were... Good, there's some good memories. Well, in 1975, what a great year that was, eh? Lynn and I were married. <laughs> Perfect timing. Yeah, we were married, and I've got some other good news for you. Um, we were married in the Church of Christ. Okay, I thought that... Uh, do a lot better than that, but uh, 
Yeah, we were married in the Church of Christ um, over in Adelaide. Please forgive us, but we yeah, we're married in Adelaide, so but that's okay. <laughs> and then a storm started to brew. <laughs> Not between Lynn and I. We're in our first year of marriage, settling down, living with somebody else. Quite quite a quite an experience, isn't it? But then a storm began to brew. We had decided a few months in that, um, yeah, great. We'd love to start a little family. That'd be right, wouldn't it? That'd be natural. So a month or two went by. Nothing. Three or four months went by. Same word. Well, six months. Six months or so. Okay, six months. That's that's fine. Well, there's still nothing. Six months becomes 12 months. 12 months becomes 18 months. 18 months becomes 24. And 24 becomes 36. It's a long time. This uh, storm is lasting about three years. The medical diagnosis... The medical diagnosis wasn't all that good as well. Two words, the doctor came to us one day and said, no babies. There'll be no babies for you and Lynn. Ah, well now God has our attention. We're not learning too much in the calm seas, but we're, we're about to learn a lot in the high seas. Our prayer was all through this, when? It was like, when, why, and how? When, Lord, why, Lord, and how long, Lord? Have you ever prayed that kind of... How long, Lord, will it be? I haven't got the time. I'm not that patient. When, Lord, are you going to answer our prayer? And why, Lord, have we waiting for three years and nothing? But now our prayer tune begins to change. And now we're putting instead of when and why and how, we're saying what. Now it's what. Now it's what, Lord. Now it's what lessons have you for us. Now it's what is your plan. What is your will and what is your best for us even though honestly both of us wrestled with that because we all know god makes man and woman husband wife and children are just a natural product so in our mind we're saying this is not right because this is what god but we also said Okay, Lord, that's good for the whole world. But perhaps you, have, perhaps you have another plan. What is going to be best for you, your kingdom, your church, and for us? What, Lord? What is your plan? We came to a place. We had to. We came to a place of submission. It's not easy to get there, is there? We came to a place of resignation. We came to a place of surrender. We came and put ourselves at the feet of Jesus. A lot of, um, 
a lot of James 5. Beautiful chapter. A lot of James 5 was applied to Lynn and I. We called on pastors and elders. Uh, We had a lot of oil anointing us with prayer that had been prayed. A lot of patience had been tested. And now another appointment, another specialist, another doctor, and another hospital bed is booked. We still kept going with the medical processes, even though we were doing the prayer thing as well. And then one day, a lot of sickness all around our our community, flu, sickness, Lynn uh, Lynn became sick, she became very unwell, off to the doctor again, another GP visit, another test, another test. Oh, he said, I'll do another test, okay. And then the doctor looked straight into Lynn's eyes after this particular test and said, Mrs. Mitchell, you're pregnant. Come on, you're... (laughs) Well, I immediately rang the hospital and said, thanks for your hospital bed, but we won't be needing it. A little girl was being created. A little girl, but a big miracle. took three years. What a storm. A little girl. You know what we called her? Very good. (laughs) We called her Joy. Oh, she's going to just love the embarrassment of this. (laughs) How appropriate. She is with us today. And she's got her own storms now that she's going through too. So we all know about storms. But then I just finished by saying that then family blessings continued. And two years later, not three, but two years later, another beautiful daughter, Deborah, is born. And then three years later, another baby is born, a son, Joshua. Jesus is good. Amen. Jesus is good. Jesus is great. He's a great teacher. He's a great master, but he's a great Lord. The answer is in the back of the boat. Now as we close. So we've been, in this passage today, it's been all about the seismos storm. But the passage that comes after this, and we won't read it for want of time, but there is a passage that that comes after this particular passage, Because Jesus had earlier said, let us go across to the other side. So you see, one passage builds upon another passage. We've been learning the last few weeks um, through Brad to read, to take a text, but to to read a verse before the verse and to read a verse after the verse. And when we read a passage like, like this in Luke, it's great to read the passage before the passage and read the passage after the passage because it's so rich, it's gold, it's so good, isn't it? Because so Jesus at the beginning of the journey said, let us go across to the other side. And so very, very briefly, we've finished with this by saying that, that, that upon their arrival 
at Gadara, which is the country on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, they arrived in their storm-tossed vessel, but they immediately meet a man who was a storm-tossed individual. He didn't live in a metricon home. He lived in a cemetery. And he had a name, and his name was Legion. I would suggest we never call our babies by that name, and you'll know why. They met a man called Legion because he was severely possessed and oppressed by an organised multitude of evil spirits. But the answer is in the back of the boat because on that day, Legion met Jesus or Jesus met Legion. And on that day, Jesus delivered that man. He delivered him and healed him and forgave him and set him free. And I think that man would have gone through all his journeys and said, or actually sang uh, something beautiful, something good, all my confusion he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, but he made something beautiful out of my life. Let us go across to the other side. He always had the plan. That was the destination. Sailing with Jesus. Isn't it good? Sailing with Jesus. You're sailing with Je is Jesus in your boat? You're sailing with him. He's got the plan. He's got the purpose. He's got the journey. And he's got the destination. His intention was to reach one man. And this landed on me heavily th this week. He didn't go across to, to teach a multitude of people. He went across to teach one single solitary man and to deliver him and to set him free. And then this one transformed man who'd met Jesus went throughout the Decapolis, which, is the, which, is, uh, which means 10 cities. He went through and, and he went through 10 cities and he would have been saying, what would he have been saying? Pastor Steve's been bringing this theme to us through the Gospel of Luke, is Jesus enough? Those fishermen out on the Sea of Galilee, is Jesus enough? Yes, the storm-tossed disciples would have been declaring, Jesus is enough. And the demon-possessed man, in that horrific mess that he was in, would have been clearly saying, Jesus is enough. So today, we see Jesus. And we see Jesus only. We see the lordship of Jesus. The lordship of Jesus over sin and sickness. The lordship of Jesus over the seas and over the storms. And we see the lordship of Jesus over Satan. Sometimes we see storms coming and we can prepare. 
Sometimes storms land on us very suddenly and unexpectedly with no time to prepare. A few years ago now, my phone, I received a phone call. It was probably one of the worst phone calls that I have ever had. It was from my brother. He was weeping uncontrollably. What's happened? We've just lost our 21-year-old son. I took my nephew's funeral. 300 people gathered around his grave. My mother saw his grandson being laid to rest. A sudden, massive, unexpected seismic storm that rocked our family for a long time to come. I just want to ask you this question, Lord, Lord, my boat is rocking. Is that our prayer this morning? Lord, my boat is rocking. Your boat might be rocking this morning. It might be rocking through a bit of discouragement or depression. It might be rocking through health issues. There might be financial issues. My little boat might be rocking in my marriage, in my family, in my business, in my church. I came across this beautiful prayer uh, in Psalm 69 just early this week and I thought how appropriate for us all his prayer is save me O God for the waters have come up to my neck have you ever felt like that I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold I have come into the deep waters the floods engulf me I am worn out calling for help my throat is parched my, eye, my eyes fail looking for my God. But I pray to you, Lord, in the time of your favour, in your great love, O God, answer me with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mire. Do not let me sink. Deliver me from those who hate me from the deep waters. Friends, no wave is bigger than the master. The answer is in the back of the boat. Run to the back of the boat. Keep your eye on the destination because we are going to make it. We're going to go across to the other side. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. Amen. We're going to make it because a boat with Jesus in it is unsinkable no matter what we are going through ask the band to come and we're going to sing and as we sing today just an opportunity um, uh, Steve and, and Lynn and I will just be just down the front here and if there is a particular storm that you're going through perhaps, perhaps wild winds, perhaps waves that are filling up the boat we want to be here for you today we want to be here to, to listen to you we want to hear be here to support you and we want to be here to pray 
for you? Are you going through a storm maybe today? Have you ever experienced storms? Have you been bruised from a storm maybe? Maybe you've been scarred from a storm. Maybe even you've been shipwrecked from a storm. We can be here to listen, support and pray for you. So as we sing this beautiful last song, Oceans Deep, Oceans are deep. We're going to sing and we're going to be here. Please come, pray for you. Or if you'd just like to go to somebody else and say, hey, pray for me, then we can do that as well. Thank you.